What's popping, everyone? Welcome to the Flea Flicker NFL Show, episode 41. I'm your host, Ori Bumar, and I'm joined by my co-host, Amal Ronek. What's up, Amal? What's up, Ori? Lots to talk about. Uh, just kidding. There's not a lot to really talk about. That's why, actually, this is the first time probably in a long time that the news is just, like, maybe a segment. If that, I don't actually, there's a... We were expecting to have a lot of news considering the trade deadline was coming up this week, but sadly nothing really happened. Uh, there were some injuries to, to a lot of these teams. We'll talk about that, though, uh, when we cover them in our game recap. Um, after that, But before we even get into our game recap, we're going to make a car. Instead of news, we're going to have coaches, uh, the coaches in the NFL that are currently on the hot seat. Uh, and we're going to talk about and get dive into uh, the specifics of which coaches uh, should be worried that their job is uh, about to go away. Um, and then after that, like I said, we're going to go into the game recaps for this week, a bit more detailed than we did the previous weeks. And then uh, we're going to go into the power rankings and then we'll go into our game predictions entering week nine. Yeah, sounds good. I'm just going to hop into some, uh, I did some extremely disappointing trades to say the least. You hi- you talked about it. I was, I'm gonna say I was hyped for the trade deadline because I thought there would be some major trades, but it seems like we got our major trades out of the way like earlier in the off season with, say, the Jamal Adams trade from the Jets to the Seahawks. But really, there weren't many trades. So the biggest trade probably was the New York Jets sending Avery Williams and the linebacker to the Steelers. Uh, for a seventh round, uh, for a fifth round pick in exchange for Williamson and a fifth, really that's just solid depth for the Steelers. Like they they lost their star linebacker Devin Bush, who's a second year player to a torn ACL. Those replacement is playing pretty well. We're going to talk about that later. Um, Quan Alexander, the linebacker for the Niners, was traded to the Saints. Just sort of just more depth as well. Apparently, Kiko Alonso is going to be. Uh, is going to the Niners as part of that deal. That's kind of irrelevant. Um, the Chargers traded Desmond King, who's a pretty solid co- uh, corner slash punt return into the Titans for a six-round pick. Again, just not really anything worth talking about. So just overall, trade deadline was kind of disappointing. I think, unless you want to hit on some of these them all, I think it's time to move on to the the really uh, the gem of our show today, Hot Seat. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the trades are <laughs> pointless to really talk about man i'll be honest um it was quite disappointing i know you were very disappointed i expected some players to get traded stefan gilmore clearly was on the trade block because of the price that was there that there was a price i expect the pats to not even list a price out there but they had a price on him i wish uh something happened there just like a blockbuster i wanted something this was like garbage even will fuller is like a tier two tier three player i i wouldn't even mind that but nothing happened uh very disappointing uh we can move on Reed. yeah so let's just hop right into it we're gonna hit on our coaches so first of all to preface this it's week eight um so we've we're halfway through the season we sort of had a pretty good idea of like which teams are trashed which teams aren't and what might be the reasoning for why teams are bad and right about now is the time where you're going to see some coaches getting fired. We saw two already getting fired this offseason so far with Dan Quinn getting fired for the Atlanta Falcons and 
Brian, uh, Bill O'Brien rather getting fired for the Texans. Both were good moves for those respective teams, but I'd say there's still a couple of head coaches that are probably worth moving on from Amal. If you want to start off on our, with your, uh, a coach that you think should be fired. All right. So number one, I think we both have the same person as number one. If you don't have him at number one, I don't know what sport you're watching. You might be watching cricket or baseball. Uh, number one is Adam Gase, bro. Um, and it's honestly not even close. Uh, they're the only winless team right now in the NFL. And they went seven and nine last year in Gase's first year, which is actually, in my opinion, quite outstanding. Uh, I don't know if any of that was his fault uh, because of him, I should say. And uh, right now they're currently standing at 0 and 8, I believe. And yeah, um, I'm not a, I'm not a believer, man. Uh, he, he he gave up uh, play calling, I believe, and now Greg Williams, the former uh, Browns head coach, uh, is now taking over play calling. And, yeah, I think it's all leading up to Adam Gase eventually getting fired. And I, can you believe this? I, I believe we talked about this. At a time, you know, he was running operations for the Jets. He was actually the GM for quite some time before they hired uh, Douglas, Joe I Douglas. believe. Yep. He was actually the general manager for the team at some point. Just let that sink in. He couldn't even coach. It's, it's, different, it's different than Bill O'Brien because Bill O'Brien could at least somewhat coach. This guy couldn't even coach. And he went 7-9, which is still losing record. And then during the offseason for quite some time, he got, he got a general manager title. I find it crazy. Um, they're right now 0-8. He's uh, supposed to be an offensive genius. Uh, that offense is firing at all firepower right now, obviously. Um, Sam Darnold obviously hasn't been playing a lot of games, though he's been hurt. Uh, Joe Flacco's been playing a lot. So uh, we'll see how that changes anything. But I think we're about to witness an 0-16 team for the first time since Cleveland about, I believe, three years ago with Hugh Jackson. Yeah, so you're talking about that offense firing on all cylinders. They are currently 32nd in the league. They're scoring an average of 11.8 points per game. So who do you think is second of all, and who do you th- uh, what do you think the total is, like their average points per game? Just, just a round number. All right, I think 31st, honestly, 31st might be New England. You're wrong. It's actually the Giants, and they're averaging 18 points per game. So they're averaging all, literally a full touchdown more per game. Oh, that means they're tier like they're really on their own tier. Then that means they're like actually like they don't deserve to be a the friend. only tier they've been on. Like the only team that's been on their level, and that's the last three weeks, is the Dallas Cowboys on offensively. Yeah, but that's also not fair because they don't have a. The, the their entire team is like like the jet, the Jets have the, the I think their teams uh I, I, their team can't get much better at least the Cowboys you know the potential but the Jets I don't know what you, you can get out of it right now so yeah exactly um you hit on a, how he's supposed to be an offensive genius I think we can clearly see what Ryan Tannehill did with Adam Gase without Adam Gase you can clearly see what just so many players consistently teams as well. If you look at a team like the Dolphins, who was coached by 
Adam Gase. Adam Gase did take that team to the playoffs one year. I will give him credit. But after that, they've pretty much been, uh, I mean, they were a no-show with him. And you can give whatever reason you want for that. But coaching has got to be a key part in why they were just not a good team. And now with Brian Flores, you have them beating potential playoff teams uh, in the Rams, in the Eagles from last year. There were many games that the uh, Brian Flores, who was a great coach for the Miami Dolphins, was able to win that Adam Gase just flat out couldn't win. And Adam Gase, I mean, his last, what, his last six, his Jets career, he's won seven games out of his, I think it's eligible, like, what, 24? Like, that's just terrible. What's the point of even hiring him? And also his in-game management is just whack. We hit on it earlier in the year, but Mackay Becton, their star rookie left tackle, got hurt, and he wasn't supposed to play, but he still suited up. And then Adam Gase just sort of threw him in there and decided, like, you know what, screw it, whatever. Hopefully, like, he doesn't get hurt. But you're risking your future. Same thing apparently happened to Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold apparently got hurt in this game, and he just got thrown in, even though he was clearly hurting from a shoulder injury, I believe. And it's just something I feel like not many people are talking about because they're the Jets. Like, you're not going to focus on them. But there's just these in-game management where I feel like he just doesn't care about his players' health. And it's just... It's just mind-boggling. I think we've talked about this as well, but my three key, my three key keys to being a good off, a good coach in the NFL is a being good on your side of the football. So being good on the offense for Adam Gase, which he's not, so he's automatically strike one. Um, second, I want you to at least be able to, you know, have in-game good management. Obviously, they're not winning games at all, and they're usually losing at halftime, and they don't cover any space after that. So that's two strikes out. And third strikeout, you got to have, you know, you got to have your players respect you, and that clearly is not happening with all these players requesting trades. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think I think you're right there. Um, the next coach that I have, number two for me, this is actually tough because I think, I think uh, there are a lot of coaches there, but um, my number two for me is definitely uh, Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia, um, right now they're at I believe three and four. Uh, uh, in the three, I think that what are they? They they are three and four, yeah. Uh, and honestly, this Lions team's actually not that bad. Uh, we you said it entering into the season. Uh, you gave them eight wins entering into the season. They're not that bad. It's just the fact that he's Matt Patricia is what's bringing them down. They could, they should have won week one against the Bears and they couldn't pull it off. And I think that was solely on Matt Patricia's fault. You, you're letting now a backup quarterback, Mitch Trubisky, uh, come back on you. That, that's not a good look there. I, I mean, they did have some impressive wins. They did beat the Arizona Cardinals. But right now, um, Matt Patricia, he hasn't really done much as the Lions head coach. Uh, He's had he's only had losing seasons so far, and uh, I think uh, this is the year that they might have to let him go. Yeah, so we're just going to go back to my – I'm going to call it the, the coach's theorem because I feel like we're going to be referencing it a lot, especially in this episode. So first of all, I want you to be good on your side of the ball, right? So if we look at twenty currently 2020 – the for those of you who don't know Matt Patricia is a defensive head coach. He's a former defensive coordinator for one of the best defenses 
in all of football with the New England Patriots. Right now, the Lions are 26th in defensive points allowed per game. So that's 29.4 games allowed, uh, points allowed per game. Just not bad. I mean, not, I mean that's, that's just terrible. My bad. 26, uh, in 2019, rather, he was 26th again, 26.4 points allowed per game. And then 2018, which his, was his first year with the team, he was a whopping um, 17th, so 22.5. His defense just seems to progressively get worse, and I feel like they're gaining talent, so it just doesn't make any sense. So for, that's strike one for me. Strike two, in-game management, they, they, he's blown multiple leads. So obviously you're not doing that, and obviously you're not winning – Like. If you need to win games, you're going to be making good in-game adjustments. And Matt Patricia is clearly not winning games. You hit on it. He hasn't had a single winning season yet in his head coaching career. So obviously he's not doing that. Strike two. And strike three, you want your players to like you. And the thing is, I mean, Darius Slay clearly won it out. There's a few players that have reported that they don't like Matt Patricia. But I will give him the, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt there. Like, Okay, maybe some point, maybe Darius Slay just didn't like you because whatever he had some sort of beef. But I'd say for the like, in, for like in general, most people don't hate Matt Patricia on the Lions. That's my belief at least. But that's two strikes already. He's not winning games, and who knows if you keep losing these games, you might lose the locker room, which means strike three and you're out for me. Yeah, um, I think uh, what you said made a lot of sense there. It's. Uh... Matt Patricia, he's definitely for me. Definitely, uh, he 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 he's probably next to go, uh, right right next to um, Adam Gase. The third one for me, this is interesting because he's he. Uh, this is only a second year of coaching. I don't know if he really deserves to be on the hot seat or not, but I think I'm going to put him there because he hasn't really been. Uh, they did perform really well last week. But I feel like he still might be on the hot seat considering uh, the overall trajectory of the team. I'm going to put Zach Taylor. And I'm going to put Zach Taylor there because still, I mean, Joe Mixon, I feel like Joe Mixon's talent is really being wasted here. I mean, he's been trending up, but I mean, he's, I have a feeling they're right now, they're, they're misutilizing him, I think. And I think, the same could honestly be said with the uh, with Joe Burrow. I mean, it's 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 currently getting better. They did just beat the Tennessee Titans, who we had as a top ten team. But I think uh, if they've, I, I, I mean, I expected probably what five wins out of them right now this entire year. And uh, if they can, I don't know if uh, Zach Taylor could potentially stay uh, as the head coach. I don't know. This is this is one I don't know if he's on the hot seat, but it's definitely something to look at for me. Okay, so that's interesting because when I think of the Bengals, right? I'll be honest, I think they're trending up. And first thing, like I've hit on it multiple times, the coaching theorem. I want you to be good on your side of the ball. And they started off pretty rough. I will give you that. 13 points week one against the Chargers, three points week five against the Ravens. But, I mean, other than that, they put up 30. They put up 33. They've dropped 27, 31, 34 against the, uh, the Browns last week, or two weeks ago, rather. They beat the, Bengal, uh, the Titans by 11 points. The offense seems to be doing their job. 
And I know there it isn't translating to wins yet, but I frankly blame that on the GM and and owner as well. Um, I forget the owner's name. I think it's um, whoever he is. I can't remember the name. But usually the Cincinnati Bengals ownership has been known to be stingy, and they've been known to not pay players and not go out there and get talent. That's essentially what they did with Carson Palmer for Carson Palmer's entire time with the Bengals. They promised they'd get help, promised they'd get good coaches, but they never did it. And I blame that currently, that lack of talent. And the last, the lack of wins, I blame on the lack of talent, at least on the defensive side of the ball. But offensively, I think Zach Taylor is doing an admirable, admirable job. And I think the worst thing you can do to Joe Burrow, who I think is a smart guy, is a brilliant guy. But I think the worst thing you can do for him right now is to fire his head coach and have him relearn an entire new offensive system. Because right now, I mean, they just beat the Titans, who we said was a top 10 team. They beat the they almost beat the Colts and they almost uh, they almost beat the Browns as well, who are borderline top ten teams for multiple weeks. So they're not like a bad team offensively. So I don't uh, I disagree with you here. I think Zach Taylor has earned himself at least one more year of coaching for the Cincinnati Bengals. Yeah, I think I think he definitely earned himself one year, but I think it's definitely a situation that you should uh, look into. Um, maybe another one that's interesting. Do you think okay, this one? I definitely think he's on the hot seat for it. And, uh, definitely. I know you're going to talk about this and it's uh, a guy that Aaron Rodgers has been dissing, d- dissed his entire tenure, honestly, with the green Bay Packers. He did lead the Packers to a super bowl. Uh, and that's the only reason that he even has the job he has right now. And that is, uh, Mike McCarthy for the, the head coach for the Dallas Cowboys. And, Honestly, this goes to show if I, I think uh, I think Jason Garrett was a problem, but I, I don't think Mike McCarthy is the solution to that problem. I think he's just another version of that problem. I feel like um, he's his in-game decisions are laughable. Um, the, the play I don't did you see the play calling against the Eagles? Arif? That 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 was just like mind blowing. We're getting, we're going to get more into that. In, uh, later into the show, but my God, uh, right now the Cowboys—they—they—they have two wins. They could honestly probably win four game, four games. I think that's fair. Like I think they can win. Actually, go four and twelve. This this team right now is on the same level as the Jets, and I don't. It's very. It's going to be very difficult for them to win games uh, in the future, and it's because. Okay, the, uh, the offense and defense may both be uh, depleted in terms of injury uh, injuries on both sides. But the quarter – and obviously the quarterback's hurt too. But just even the decision-making that he's making uh, – that he's having, it's just like doesn't make any sense. Uh, and I think uh, this is definitely not something that Jerry Jones expected. I think – Jerry Jones will give him one more season because he's Jerry they spend the same thing. I think he's just that type of guy, but he should. If I was him, if I were him, I'd probably fire him uh, after the last game of the year if they're out of playoff contention. That is. Listen, I think he's definitely some sort of a problem. Earlier with Dak Prescott in the year, when you had Dak Prescott, you saw their offense getting off to slow starts consistently. Like, that is a problem. And really, this is unheard of, Amal, when you think about it. Like, just flat out, it's unheard of. We've never had a, a locker room revolt 
literally like week six into the season where you have anonymous messages coming out and all this coming out against a head coach. That's just, it's completely unheard of. And that's just, it's just really just breaks my mind. Like when was the last time this has ever happened where anonymous players are coming out and trashing their head coach five or six weeks into their head coaches, like, tenure with the team and i think there's definitely a problem with the players who are doing this but there's got to be a reason why they're coming on and being like yo mike mccarthy sucks at their job his job the coaches overall just suck at their job and if i was jerry jones i'd fire him at the end of the season and he probably won't because he's jerry jones and he wants someone to sort of suck up to him but if i was the owner of the dallas cowboys i would fire mike mccarthy mike mccarthy ASAP and try to go after an actual young offensive mind. Yeah. Now, now I'll just run through some. Um, do you think uh, Mike Zimmer should be on the hot seat? Yes or no? No. Solely because I think he's done enough. He, he's done great things for Minnesota. And I don't think one bad year where he's, his defense is literally entirely a ton of new players. And I don't think that should sort of decide whether or not he should be fired i think if he performs badly next season you can think about it but i think the vikings are starting to trend up a little bit even after kirk cousins start off the year extremely bad okay uh joe judge one and done do you think he's in the hot seat joe judge no and i'll say this i think first of all i think i'm going to go back to the coaching theorem we should put this in the hall of fame but I, I don't uh, like I don't know what Joe Judge's side of the ball is. Like he's a special teams coach, but I mean he's got the team playing hard. I will say that one hundred percent. He they almost beat the Eagles. They almost beat the Cowboys. They almost beat the Rams. Like there's lots of instances where this Giants team is playing harder than you think it would with the talent they have offensively and defensively. And to me, that's based on coaching. And that goes to the second point. These players want to play for Joe Judge. I mean, there's got to be something behind that. And yes, they might not be winning games right now, but I'd blame that on the GM of the New York Giants, Dave Gettleman, for just having inferior talent on the roster after being with the team for, I think, three, at least three or four years now. So I blame that on Gettleman. I will be honest. I don't know what like side of the ball, again, that Joe Judge is coaching, but I think he has the team rallying around him and the team is really buying into his system. And to me, that's important. And you don't disrupt that after one year. All right. I got a couple more for you. Do you think, uh, do you think Doug Marone should be on the hot seat with the Jags? Okay. So I was waiting for you to say this because I, I actually had a, I, I pulled up a couple of Doug Marone stats for you. Doug Marone is currently after the 2017 season where they made it to the AFC championship game, you know, Saxonville, all that. After that, he has won 12 out of his last 39 games for a 30.7 win percentage. That's just bad. I mean, but they also didn't have a quarterback to read though. I mean, Minshew's like, he's, he's like, like, come on. I mean, the Jag, the Jags, their defense, like players also left too. Um, and they didn't want to play, frankly, uh, under Tom Coughlin, I think that's also fair to say. And Tom Coughlin, obviously, he uh, resigned. So I think that definitely had a major part to that. I, I will say this to you, though, Ma. They're still continuing to leave, at least even after Tom Coughlin was uh, – he resigned. 
people were like people were still leaving. Yannick wanted out. You have Rodney Harrison getting traded. I, I believe he actually requested a trade, from what I heard. You have players wanting wanting to leave. So, do you think players like maybe they're just fed up of losing, or was it because they didn't buy into Doug Marone? Like that to me is a solid question. And I like I think Doug Marone. I want to say is a defensive head coach, and on the defensive side of the ball, they've been consistently like average since 2017 and 2018 and the offensive side of the ball they're just flat out bad so I don't know who you want to blame the GM or the head coach but he's had five years with Jacksonville and I think if they finish under probably like three if they finish probably with I think he's going to finish with under four wins honestly and I think that's just valid enough to fire him because I don't see this Jags team going anywhere with him they don't even have their quarterback of the future like I'm a huge Minshew fan but I think Minshew just doesn't fit what the Jacksonville Jaguars want to do. And I think Minshew is a reliable guy and makes good decisions, but he lacks the arm talent. And I don't think he fits with Jacksonville. So they don't have their quarterback. I don't think they have their head coach either. So something's got to give. And I think they're just going to fire Doug Murrow. Yeah, uh, I can definitely see that possibility. Um, I, I, I have him in the hot seat, but it's not a – I think it's definitely something to definitely look into. Um, for me, it's a more. burning hot seat for the record. Okay. Um, one more. This is the last one for me. Uh, Doug Peterson. And this is honestly only contingent if – I mean, if the Eagles make the playoffs, I don't think Doug Peterson's job is necessarily at risk. But uh, I think if either the football team, who's honestly only a game behind, or the – or the Cowboys come in to the picture. Um, and if the Eagles don't make the playoffs, which is right now, I mean, obviously it's more likely than uh, it's more unlikely than likely, but in that situation, do you think uh, Doug Peterson's job is on the hot seat? I don't think so. And I think it's because I think the Eagles internally knew this was going to be almost a rebuilding season. I've heard reports and I've read some like letters and everything. Lots of inside sources were saying that Doug Peterson, he kind of knew that the talent wasn't there. And if Doug Peterson knew, Howie Roseman knew. And Howie Roseman knew, so did Jeffrey Lurie. I think the team overall has just accepted that they're sort of in a win, not, not a win now mode. They're sort of just in a rebuilding year. And I think they're willing to accept that. But it is worrisome that, you know, the, the Eagles just kind of suck. Like on the offensive side of the ball, they're really hot and cold, start off hot sometimes and then fall flat for like two and a half quarters and come back in the fourth, the roar back in the fourth rather. But it's just very inconsistent offensive play. I think the players still want to play for Doug. I think players still respect him. I, I still think he makes decent in-game adjustments. But I think the biggest problem with the Eagles right now is that Carson Wentz is trying to do too much and that the play design for Doug Peterson is poor. I don't think Doug Peterson's a bad play caller. I think he's a poor play designer, and I think he needs to get someone in there to help him. Yeah, man. Uh, we can move on now. Uh, I, think I, have, I have one more for you. Okay? Oh, really? I want so, to get this one. Anthony uh, Lynn, head coach of the Los LA Chargers. So over the last two years, he went five and eleven last year. He went two. He's currently two and five. They're really bad in one possession games. They're one and six, I believe. Like that's just very or one and five rather. That's just very poor to me. And there's lots of factors for this. Maybe they're, they're, the play calling is conservative 
later in the games. Maybe it's conditioning. Like they just get tired later in games, whatever it may be. But I'm a huge Anthony Lynn guy. I think he's a good coach. But after a while, I think you got to realize it's not working. You got to maybe, maybe just say goodbye and let the, let the, maybe the, you know, the, it's run its course, like his time with the Chargers. I think he's a good coach, but maybe he's just not working anymore. I mean, currently he's seven and he has seven wins to 16 losses over the last two years after his great 12 and four season with his second season with the Chargers. But it's just kind of weird, you know, like the Chargers, they seem to be a decently talented team, but they aren't winning these games. Yeah. Uh, that's also a valid one, honestly. Anthony Lynn, uh, hasn't, I don't know, with the talent Justin Herbert's, I think you actually do bring up a very good point. I do want to add him now in my hot seat. He hasn't been closing out these games, Reed. And the Chargers, honestly, their record could be flipped if they could close these games out. All seven games have been decided by a touchdown or less, I believe. They could have beat Tampa, for God's sake. They could have beat Kansas City. Those are like tier one. Those are like teams that are in our top five, for God's sake. And they're not They're not uh, closing it out. And they're very competitive. I think they're a team that can honestly, genuinely, if they had if they were had the capability of closing out games, they could be a top three team in the AFC. But they're, and their defense isn't even fully healthy, and I'm saying that. Um, yeah, Anthony Lynn's definitely uh, – it's – and uh, is definitely a coach to look out for um, in this AFC uh, and the LA Chargers, I should say. Um, now we can move on to our uh, our week eight recap. Uh, there's there's not too many games, honestly, that I do want to talk about, but there's some injuries, so we will talk go through that every game for the most part, but not I don't know necessarily in depth. I, w- I want to first start with uh, the Thursday night game that happened, Falcons versus Panthers. I'm not surprised by the result. I mean, it, they just fed Julio Jones the entire time, so the, uh, the, the results weren't shocking. And Christian McCaffrey wasn't playing. Mike Davis, he had an okay game, but I, I, I wasn't shocked uh, by, by any sorts of imagination that the, the Here's my take on the Panthers, right? I think the Panthers have surprised lots of people. I think they're a decent team. But I think Teddy Bridgewater to me, I wouldn't say he's necessarily a problem, but it's two back-to-back weeks where he sort of wasn't clutch enough to come up with a dub at the end of it. So this week he throws a pick with his last drive to cost the game against the the. I think the the Falcons rather, and then I think the previous week he took a sack right before, uh, right when they were in field goal range, which led to that sixty five yarder, which we talked about was a great kick, which came literally a, four, a foot short. So that's two moments where like that's potentially at least one win, maybe two. Like who knows? But it's just interesting that he's not coming up big in these big moments, and. I mean, Teddy Bridgewater was never really that guy. You can even date back to his college days. Like, I don't think he, with Louisville, he was ever a guy you'd expect to be extremely clutch or anything. So I'm not ready to say, like, you should move on from Teddy Bridgewater if you're the Carolina Panthers. But I will say that it is it's just an early warning sign, perhaps, of what might be the future to come. Yeah, I think uh... – Definitely an early sign of the future. And I think Teddy Bridgewater is still not even playing up to the full capability that he, and potential that he can. And uh, once he does, that, that Panthers team is going to make 
and the NFC West run for their money as a very competitive division. Um, moving on, I want to talk about next the Buccaneers Giants game that happened Monday night. Um, this game for me, it, it was the, it was closer than it should have been. I, 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 I had problems, but I mean Chris Godwin wasn't there. Leonard Fournette, they should have kept running the ball with him honestly more. Uh, I think he was getting some some uh, success there on on the ground. Um, even though he wasn't getting more than four yards per carry, but I, I'd still think you should. Uh, they should have kept running the ball with him more. Um, besides that, I think this the Giants' defense. I think is is still pretty. It's holding up pretty well, man. Uh, underrated Giants' defense, but uh, I think here it's just the Buccaneers were a better team, and uh, they prevailed towards the end. I don't know why. Uh, the Giants were up so much, but um, it didn't matter. The Bucks got the job done, so it is what it is. Daniel Jones is a problem, and I think his turnover proneness and just his lack of detail, I think, is huge. So go back to this game against the Buccaneers. They score a touchdown, which was a phenomenal throw, 19-yard touchdown down the left seam to Dan, from Daniel Jones to Golden Tate. Phenomenal throw. Like, no other quarterback could throw in that ball any perfectly. It was a perfect ball. But then you go, to, go for the two-point conversion to try to tie the game. And some people are saying it should have been P.I. But if Daniel Jones just threw a ball on time, like you're taught to as a quarterback, you know, timing is extremely important. If he had done that, who knows what, what goes on with this game. This game easily could go to overtime. And who knows, a flip of a coin, and you might be driving on the field 80 yards or 75 yards to win the game. That didn't happen, and that's because of Daniel Jones. He consistently has turnovers every single game. I mean, his pocket presence is bad. He consistently has fumbles. I don't, uh, I'm slowly hopping off the Daniel Jones bandwagon. Or it wasn't really a bandwagon, but off the whatever you want to call it. The 2002 Toyota Camry. <laughs> that is his bandwagon. Um, for the Bucks, I'm impressed that they came back. But like you said, it was weird that they're down. But I think that's just testament to the Giants as a team. You hit on it. They're actually not that bad of a defense this year. Some people are sort of just having the mind that the Giants, they're always just going to suck at defense. But they're not as bad as they have been in previous years. Like I will give credit where credit is due to the um, – to the New York Giants. And Joe Judge, again, like Joe Judge has the team playing hard. They almost beat the Buccaneers, dude, who I think is a top five team. Spoiler for my power rankings. But, yeah, that's just my quick thoughts on this game. I think Joe testament to the – like shot, hats off to the Giants. And the Bucks were resilient. And these are the sort of games you need to win where it's those games where you go down early and maybe your, your momentum – is completely flipped towards the other team, but you fight back and you find a way to win. And to me, that's impressive. Yeah, well said. Uh, I think that's that's what I take away from that too for the Bucs side, positively. And they're getting, uh, we'll, we'll talk about our game predictions for the next week, but they're getting my man, probably my favorite receiver I've seen uh, in the past five years probably uh, back in Antonio Brown. Um, and I cannot wait to see that happen. Um, the next game I want to talk about here, Pats-Bills. This one, I'm most, I think this one, I think Cam Newton's a problem, man. I think maybe it's the coronavirus. I don't know, man. 
But Cam Newton's looking like a problem right now. Uh, he couldn't. They had the game honestly in their hands. They were in scoring position. They were in field goal range uh, in the last drive. They they were perfectly settled. Ran a play and he fumbled the ball. Bills recovered. Bills won. So I, Damian Harris looked really good, by the way. Um, Sixteen carries for 102 yards and a touchdown. Um, Cam Newton, bro, he's he's not been playing well. He he hasn't. I remember you talked about earlier this year, and I agree with you. Uh, when they lost to Seattle, I thought this was very encouraging for the Pats, and they were arguably a top two, top three team in the AFC just be just off that because that was a very impressive and valiant valiant effort. But right now, Cam Newton's he hasn't been doing much of that. Now, uh, the past two games, you can't be losing to Denver and then losing to Buffalo. It's three losses in a row is quite crazy. I never thought I'd see that in the Bill Belichick era, and now I have. And I hate that he's getting slander for this. They don't have a quarterback. And he admitted it later on. There's a reason why Cam Newton right now is only getting paid the million dollars uh, right now. They were stuck in the situation, and they had to go for it. It was like a Hail Mary to him. Uh, they just had to send it with Cam Newton. Right now, it's looking like that is the situation that was put at hand. That, those were the cards that he were dealt. He was dealt with. Um, and uh, yeah, I expect Cam Newton to get better, but right now this does not look good by any means for a Patriots fan. And on the Bills side, uh, I'm, I'm not like I'm not a fan of how these games are, are like really close right now. Um, the Bills have had two straight games that were really close that, that they had no business in making close um like i i mean they 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 barely beat the jet the jets bro it was 18 to 10 uh so i can't with six field goals yeah and they, they didn't score a touchdown i think that's the worst part about that game they didn't score a touchdown uh josh allen didn't have a touchdown this game either so i i can't uh I can't, he had a rushing touchdown, but he, he, I can't necessarily say anything that's like super like amazing out, out of him either. Um, overall, very poor game by, by the Bills offense. Great game by the Bills defense, but yeah, that's, that's my overall thoughts on that game. Yeah, you hit on it. We can just keep moving on. Every, everything you said was facts. Yeah, um, the next game, Rams-Dolphins. This game shocked me, and this game, the facts that I heard about, the wild WTF facts, shout out to that Instagram account. But the facts that I heard from this, 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 uh, this game just blew my mind. It was probably the craziest, one of the craziest NFL stats I've seen in honestly quite some time. Sometime. Uh, first off, I don't know if you know this now, but the Dolphins lead the NFL in scoring defense. They've only allowed 130 points this year. Are they the best defense in football, Reed? That conversation is now there. Can you believe that that conversation that the Miami Dolphins have the best defense in football is now there? Um, that's a pretty crazy stat. Now, let's go into the box score, right? Just the, the Dolphins won the game 28-17. to 17. The Rams had more first downs, 31 first downs to the Dolphins' eight. The Rams ran 92 plays versus the Dolphins' 48. The Rams had 471 yards of total offense, and the Dolphins had 141 yards of total offense. That's 330 yards more total. Uh, to, 330 yards. 
total more for the Rams, right? Yet, correct. The Dolphins won the game. <laughs> it, it, the, 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 I, I don't understand this, man. The, the team and the, and the stat here: teams had won fifty-three straight games when outgaining their opponent by less by at least three hundred yards. And the last time that happened was two thousand six in the Eagles versus Bucks game. Uh, yeah, this is a just a ridiculous stat. And Fitzmagic is working even without Fitzmagic playing. Uh, I think uh, that that's that's very true. I think uh, right now this Dolphins team needs to be seriously looked at right now as uh, a playoff contender. And on the Rams side, you just got to be disappointed in Jared, Jared Goff. Jared Goff needs to do more, man. That's that's all I can really say on that side. And uh, you can't really blame the Rams defense considering most of the Dolphins' points were from the defense. Tua didn't have a great game. Gaskin didn't have a great game. And I'll talk more about Gaskin. Gaskin is now hurt. Uh, he, he's going to be missing, I believe, three weeks with a sprained ACL. But he's, he, he didn't have a great game. And there's no excuses. That's all I got to say. This is a very poorly managed game by the LA Rams coming off a great win, by the way, against Chicago in Chicago. And this just puts them right. This puts them way backwards. Now. I don't know where to put them. Yeah, exactly. I don't know where to put them is exactly where I'm at as well for, I think Jared Goff under pressure is just a different beast and not in the best way. Like I think he's the, I think he has the biggest difference in his passer rating and again passer rating is a stupid stat but it just gives you a decent reference of where you are as a quarterback i feel and he's last in the nfl in passer rating or rather he has the biggest gap in passer rating when pressured and not pressured like when he's not pressured he's a great quarterback but when he's pressured he's literally like one of the worst in the league and he has the propensity to just go off and throw like three picks and have like a fumble return for a touchdown and that to me is just very inexcusable. And it sort of makes the Rams sort of a loose cannon almost because you never know what you expect from them. And for Jared Goff, like the, the excuses are interesting because he has great weapons outside. He has a great offensive mind. He has an offensive line that's improved from last year. He has a decent defense. I believe his, the Rams defense is fourth when it comes to points allowed per game. Um, let me just fact myself, fact check myself. Yep, they're fourth with 19 points per game allowed, tied with the Kansas City Chiefs. And right now, you're just not seeing consistency from Jared Goff. We were talking about the Dolphins, how they might be a playoff team. What are your thoughts on Tua? Because I feel like if you think you're a true playoff contender, you put in Fitzpatrick. See, I agree with you there. But I think it's only one game. And I think they do see more in Tua than they do in Fitzpatrick. But uh, we'll see, man. I, I'm very interested uh, to see how that goes. I have uh, I have the Dolphins knocking on the door. And they're, they're very, very close right now for me in, this, in, this, uh, in making the playoffs. They're doing, a, they're doing a great job. That's all I can say. They keep it up. Uh, never expected four and three. Never in my wildest dreams expected four and three. We expected seven wins out of the Dolphins, and uh, they're halfway into the year, and they had four wins, um, and they've only played seven games. So, yeah, kudos to them. The next game, uh, Colts-Lions. 
not surprised by the result. You weren't surprised by the result either. We both expected the Colts to get their job done. Uh, Naheem Hines, I think, should reach, should change his sport from uh, football to gymnastics, and he may get less pay. But man, he he, he probably gained so much clout from uh, watching from people seeing his uh, touchdown celebration. Have you did you see that, Arif? Yeah, the it was ridiculous. The, that, that's insane, man. The touchdown I mean, itself was really impressive. The, 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 both the touchdowns were nice, man. I, I mean, uh, yeah, that that's the only highlight, I, honestly, of that game. Kenny Galladay was out, I think, almost like he, he didn't play the entire game. And if Kenny Galladay doesn't play, then you can turn off the Lions game, honestly. And, uh, yeah, so 41-21, not surprising. Matt Stafford, though, and also in the news – uh, he's now uh, in the COVID IR reserve, um, which means they're having the man, the myth, Jeff Driscoll, I believe, at QB. Am I wrong, Reeb? I believe that's correct. Oh, God, yeah. And uh, that only means downhills, downhill uh, signs from there. Um, yeah, that, that's my only thoughts on that. Yeah, you can move on. Yeah. Um, next, Titans Bengals. This was the up. This actually was this the upset of the week. Yeah, I'll give it. To, yeah, that is the upset of the week. Actually, I'm gonna say that. Yeah, uh, I would have said my Vikings Packers, but the Vikings I think are a better team than the Bengals overall. So, yeah, I'm gonna say this is my upset of the week. Uh, no Joe Mixon here for the Bengals, and this is the this is a shocking t- thing for me. This is the first Titans loss with Derrick Henry having over 100 yards rushing. Uh, and it goes to show there's something up with this Titans team. Uh, they are beatable. And uh, I think you told me this uh, on Sunday itself. But the main problem with this Titans team is their inconsistency on defense. I think that's definitely something to look into. Because I think now they did uh, they did make some changes. But, I mean, I think that's definitely something to look into. They're, they're not – they're not making plays on both sides for the most part. Corey Davis looked very good. Uh, Derrick Henry was okay. But Derrick Henry, they need to run the ball more, man. 18 carries. They, in the playoffs, bro, he was getting like 26, 28, 30. Uh, it, needs to, it needs to run it up, man. The Bengals' rush, the run defense is garbage. They got to they gotta eat with that. If Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are running all over him, Derrick Henry should, would have and should have gotten 200 yards plus. There's no excuses in that. Uh, so this is an inexcusable Titans loss. That two by 11 points, I, I, can't, I can't imagine that. Um, this is, I, I, think this is I, don't, I don't think the Titans will perform this poorly again this season. But a uh, great game from Joe Burrow. Uh, T and G, Giovanni Bernard, uh, reliable for like the past five years, uh, maintaining this job and, uh, as the backup for Joe Mixon. And he's been uh, holding fort, and uh, he's been doing a good job. And, he carried his role and got 62 yards on 15 carries and a touchdown. Uh, great game out of him as well. And, yeah, that's my thoughts on that game. Yeah, so for me, you hit on it. And, I, I, I mean, I, you hit on points I made last week. But this week, it's very much the same points. The Titans' defense is slightly suspect. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's a lack of talent, COVID, like, Again, they like didn't practice well. Like they didn't get practice in the off season, and then COVID came in right when they might have potentially be been like catching their, you know, catching the wave, whatever you want to say. 
catching fire and it sort of ruined things for them because they didn't practice for two weeks. So that couldn't have helped them, but their defense just seems to be slightly off. But that being said, I will agree with you. I think this is the worst that we'll see them play for the rest of the year. But I want to give credit to the Bengals. I want to give credit to Joe Burrow, especially, and Zach Taylor, because the offense came out here and won the game when they had to. And that to me is impressive. And that's why I think you shouldn't lose faith in Zach Taylor yet. And also, this is why I believe Joe Burrow is a phenomenal quarterback. And I wasn't 100% sure we'd see it, because I don't think any NFL draft prospect is a 100% sure thing. But Joe Burrow seems to be, he seems to be a superstar in the making. Yeah, I, I agree. I agree. Um, definitely a superstar in the making. Uh, it's definitely close, honestly, between uh, Burrow and Herbert. I'm giving the edge now to Burrow. This is a very impressive win. Uh, Herbert's been more consistent, but right now Joe Burrow's looking pretty impressive with what he has around him. Uh, next for next game, Raiders Browns. Nothing to really talk about here. I, I the mean, wind I was fun, ridiculous. The wind, the wind was ridiculous. The, the goalposts shaking and everything. Daniel Carson missing chip shots. I think that's the major. I think that was a major impact in this game. They had to go for it many times because of the wind. Uh, but I mean, I thought the Raiders were the better team, and uh, they showed it. So no, no surprise really there. Yeah, um, we can talk about the Chiefs, Jets. Psych, we're not going to talk about that. 35-9, to complete blowout. Niners, Seahawks. So the Niners have been hit by injuries yet again. And the Seahawks, we saw their offense come raging back after – I wouldn't necessarily – they they lost, but it wasn't necessarily a poor showing the previous week. But they came out here. You see Russell Wilson, I believe – having a clean sheet, four touchdowns, no picks compared to his three picks last week. And I, I want to say, don't fact check me, but I believe he's on pace for 52 touchdown passes this year. Impressive stuff, man. Impressive stuff. We might, we might see that, man. We might see uh, another 50 piece there. I like it. And It'd be great uh, if that happened. Yeah, um, and on the Niners side, they're stuck. They're screwed with this injury bug, man. Uh, they can't. They can't stop it. Um, Jimmy G, he's out, I believe, for at least the next uh, six weeks. I believe that that's three to six weeks. That's that's a big injury. Um, George Kittle is out for the next uh, seven to eight weeks. That's a major injury as well. Um, yeah, if you lose George Kittle, man, that's they're going to have to rely heavily on Ross Dwelly and Nick Mullins is going to have to be the quarterback of this uh, Niners team. I expected them to make some type of move in the, uh, the trade deadline if Jimmy G was injured, but no, they didn't. Uh, they're going to keep with what they have. And I think now I can say the Niners are probably out of playoff contention just because of this. Yeah. And it's just poor luck. Like I honestly had them like as a top 12 team. Cause I think I don't think we realize how good Jimmy G is. Like, I know he has his flaws, but he's perfect for that system. And we saw what happened when Nick Mullins was in for the Niners, and it was not a good sight. Um, we can move on to the Saints-Bears game if you want to. And for me, when it comes down to it, this game is going to be known for the punch, and that's about it. Javon Wims decided that the best I think he could have done was punch C.J. Gardner-Johnson in the helmet twice and then parade away like he won a fight or something. 
Um, he made his boxing debut, Arif. Yeah, according to Wikipedia, and Wikipedia never lies. The Bears just collapsed on the offensive side of the ball. I know it says they put up 23 points. They brought it to overtime. But, I mean, I thought they were going to win at some points here, and they just kind of collapsed. You had Nick Foles. Foles only does well in the fourth quarter, man. He only yep. does well in the fourth quarter. And, and that's not sustainable. Your defense, the Bears yeah. have a great defense. But we saw that defense letting up because they've been on the field for just – way longer than they should just flat out the the bears i believe were they had 18 first downs they just weren't that they were just weren't that good i mean the, the time of possession was pretty fair like 33 minutes to 35 the saints lied by around two minutes but i mean it's just more not rather than the time of possession it's just the amount of times you have to go off hop off to the sideline and then boom three and out, you're back on the field again just repeatedly. That's just not good for a Bears defense, which is phenomenal. Yeah, I think here the main point here is uh, Allen Robinson needs to get more receptions, honestly, in order for this Bears team to have any chance on offense. And it's not even his fault that they're – six receptions, 87 yards, and a touchdown is a good game for most receivers. It's just the fact that – when a team doesn't have that many weapons to begin with, Darnell Mooney and Anthony Miller are your other weapons. I think uh, Anthony, uh, Allen Robinson needs to get targeted way more and needs to catch the ball more. And David Montgomery, he had he had he had himself probably the best game I've seen from him uh, since like week one or week two of this season. This was a great performance out of him. But yeah, like you you hit on it, right? Uh, Nick Foles, he's a slow starter. Obviously, the stats make us say like Breeze and Foles had a similar game, so therefore they were similar in uh, in performance. No, Breeze didn't even have Michael Thomas. Uh, didn't even have Emmanuel Sanders. He had Trey Quan Smith, but it doesn't matter. Alvin Kamara led the team in receiving yards and running yards, rushing uh, rushing yards, and I, we expected that entering into this game too. Um, but this was this was just a bad performance from Nick Foles, in my opinion. Uh, and I, this defense, I still believe to be top three, top two defense in the league. And it does, it still stands. It's just the fact that they're on the field way too many damn times. Uh, if they could get on the field less, uh, then we could see some victories. Honestly, this Bears defense needs to needs like five bye weeks, bro. They don't need one. I feel bad for yeah. this guy, Khalil Mack. I, we we mm-hmm. talked about this earlier too. Khalil Mack deserves overtime. Man. He needs that overtime pay. Him, Akeem Hicks, Akeem Hicks, especially coming off last year's injury. Yeah, man, my, those guys need to get like they need to get. Uh, th- those guys need to get some big time pay. And poor Jalen Johnson, rookie Jalen Johnson. Uh, he was a he was their second round pick this year. He's playing too much, man, for a rookie defensive back. And he's playing pretty well, too. He's probably one of the best rookie corners right now. Um, but this Bears defense is not the problem. It's, it's hands down that how to be this offense. And uh, Nick Foles just needs to be more consistent. And I think it'll happen later on in the season. Maybe not right now, but uh, I'm waiting to see that happen. Um only two more games I want to talk about here. Uh, there's three. There's actually four games we still got to talk about. Though. Oh, shoot. Yeah, I think we, we should start off with the worst of these games. Dallas right. at Philly for Sunday yeah. Night Football. Okay. Really? Right. There's actually nothing much to talk about here. Yeah. You got it. 
Car- Carson once had four turnovers. I mean, he's trying to do much cl- too much clearly, but he really only had to throw like three or four good balls to beat the Cowboys. The Cowboys suck. The Eagles are also a bad team, but they'll probably win the East. That's my takeaway from this. We can move on to Chargers Broncos. Chargers Broncos. This game was a nail biter. Actually, uh, the Chargers had this game in the bag. Up, up. I believe seven. Uh, and uh, they're up twenty-one, bro. Oh, they're yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. At halftime, they were up by twenty-one. Yeah, that's my bad. Yeah, they were up by twenty-one. Yeah, I don't know what happened, man. I don't know what happened. I, this one, this is the game I'd blame Anthony Lynn on solely. And uh, Drew Locke had himself a great game. Um, Philip Lindsay had a good game. You saw some of Justin Herbert's flaws in this game. He threw two picks, and those picks are Agreed. key. Yeah. I mean, Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. those are mistakes where, I mean, he's a rookie quarterback, so you expect to see that. So I'm not going to completely blame him, but the Chargers to me are just a mystery. And like, why do they keep choking games? Like, it's an Atlanta Falcons, except on an entirely different level. Like, obviously it's not the Super Bowl, but it's way more consistent this year for like the games being blown out. And I don't know if Anthony Lynn even knows what the problem is. Like, it's just sort of weird. Like, I hit on it. Maybe it's conditioning. Maybe it's something like making mistakes in the fourth quarter just randomly just you know it's a fluke maybe it's just you know conservative play calling in the fourth who knows what it is but it's just weird yeah um that that is definitely a a weird thing to look at um the next game though that i do want to talk about uh there's two more games actually that we have left and both uh both games were great games to watch vikings packers Vikings Packers. This game was Dalvin Cook carried, right? I think that's fair to say. Dalvin Cook carried um, everywhere. <laughs> I mean, uh, Dalvin Cook had 30 carries, 163 yards, and three touchdowns, and then he had two receptions for 63 yards and a touchdown receiving. Um, yeah, uh, Dalvin Cook carried for the Vikings. And when you have that type of carry, it's almost like a Derrick Henry type of carry. You don't need a great game out of Kirk Cousins. Um, Kirk Cousins had – Dalvin Cook had a third of Kirk Cousins' passing worth. That's what I'm saying. You don't need, you don't need a lot of um, – you don't need a great game out of Kirk Cousins to, get the, to, get the, to beat any team if Dalvin Cook is playing like this. The, the, a Dalvin Cook game like this could beat any team in the NFL. But – uh, great game out of Dalvin Cook. Aaron Rodgers had himself an okay game too, but no Aaron Jones does hurt. And uh, Devontae Adams, yeah, um, he actually only got the touchdowns for what I, from what I see here. He didn't, he didn't necessarily uh, have himself a great game by any means. Uh, I would expect him to get more receptions and get more yards, but that's besides the point. Uh, this is a impressive win for the Minnesota Vikings. And it goes to show, like we talked about in the previous segment, Mike Zimmer should, uh, he should still keep his job despite all the different things that are happening around the organization. Yeah. For me, shout out to the Vikings. They had a phenomenal game, but for me, the key, there's two key problems for the green Bay Packers and they're a five and two team. Like they're a great football team. They're still very well could fix these problems. 
but their rushing defense dating back to last year has been atrocious. And people thought getting rid of linebacker Blake Martinez would be great for that because he just was a bad fit for the run defense. But obviously there isn't much of a difference. Like they're still getting run over and it's happening almost bi-weekly, if not every week. And that's a huge problem because you're just letting, I mean, if, if the other offense can just run on you, then there's no need for the quarterback to make mistakes. The only way you can make mistakes is if there's a fumble and that those are way rarer to happen than an interception from a player like Kirk Cousins, who's thrown three pick games this year, uh, multiple times, matter of fact. And on the offense side of the ball, if they don't have Aaron Jones and they can't run the run, like they can't run the rock effectively, who do you throw to other than Devontae Adams? Like, I don't see anyone else consistently getting open. And that to me is a problem because Aaron Rodgers, yeah, he can fit it into tight windows, but even a player like Aaron Rodgers cannot do that consistently. So those are my two flaws for the Green Bay Packers. And I hope they can fix them because even with these flaws, they're still a pretty fun team to watch. Agreed. They, they are definitely still a fun team to watch for sure. And uh, right now, um, the last game that I do want to talk about is the was probably the game of the week. Steelers-Ravens. Steelers remaining undefeated, being the Ravens. And uh, J.K. Dobbins, rookie out of OSU, um, he had himself a day, 15 carries for 113 yards. It looks like uh, right now he's uh, – He's trying to take that crown of being the best rookie running back over guys like Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, uh, Jonathan Taylor, uh, DeAndre Swift. He's, he's looked really he's looked he looked great that game. And um, but this was this was just a this was still a great performance, honestly, from the Steelers' defense. Man, uh, limiting limiting. Uh, I, I, I don't know how to put this this way. Lamar Jackson threw two picks. I mean, I, I Steelers defense is just too good, man. They're, they also they're had two fumbles and two fumbles. They're, they're they're the flaws that they're showing in Lamar Jackson's game. You can't really show it that often when you have an elite defense like the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, they are by they're done now definitively the best team in my opinion in the AFC North. Uh, People had an upset this game. I know both of us picked the Steelers, but a lot of people predicted the the Ravens would pull off the Steelers' first loss. And it's because this is definitely a step up in competition compared to any of the other teams they face. Uh, Even the Titans, I think the Ravens are still better than the Titans. They're still marginally better than the Titans. And, um, yeah, impressive uh, performance. Big Ben didn't need to do much once again. Uh, this was just a Steelers defense masterclass from what I see here. Yeah, so there's two key things here. One on the Steelers side. I think their roster arguably might be the best roster in the league, like holistically. I mean, the fact is they're losing players. I mean, they lost a star linebacker, Devin Bush, and boom, plug in Robert Spillane, a, a linebacker I've never heard of. And he, he made multiple key plays against the Titans last week. And this week, he has a pick six to start the game. Like that to me is phenomenal. They even with the injuries that they're not really injury prone. Like they don't have that many injuries, but I feel like even if they do, they can just sort of plug and play anyone and they'll be fine. Like this team is just very well coached. So shout out to their head coach, Mike Tomlin. And second, they're just a really well-rounded team. Like they're just good at like, they just have good players just flat out. Um, so shout out to the GM as well for the Steelers. 
And second, Lamar Jackson, he's – I mean, he's not – he's disappointing. But I think bigger than that, I think they don't have any weapons. Like, if you really think about it, your only weapon is Marcus Hollywood Brown, and that's about it, dude. I mean, all you got to do is double-team him. And I know Willie Sneed had a ton of yards this game, but he's not a consistent wide receiver. You can't rely on him if you're Lamar Jackson. And I know Des Bryant has on – is on – I think he's on the practice squad. But Des Bryant, even if he gets called up, he's not going to do much. I think if you're the Ravens and you want to help the development of your young quarterback, you need to chase after that Matt Stafford, Calvin Johnson, you know, Matt Ryan, Julio Jones, Big Ben Antonio Brown connection. You need to pair your young quarterback with an elite wide receiver in this upcoming draft or through trade. And I think that's the only true way that the Ravens can jump to the next level. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I think I think that's well said. I think that's definitely something to look into. Um, so I, I have high potential still for both these teams. I think both teams will make the playoffs. Both teams will be competitive in the playoffs, but uh, we'll see how the, t- how the season unfolds from there on. Um, now let's go into our power rankings for the week. Uh, look, let's look into our yeah entering into week nine now. Last week. You had the Chiefs 1, Steelers 2, Raven, uh, Seahawks 3, Packers 4, Titans 5, Ravens 6, Bucks 7, Saints 8, Rams 9, Cardinals 10. I had the Chiefs 1, Steelers 2, Packers 3, Seahawks 4, uh, Ravens 5, Bucks 6, Titans 7, Saints 8, Cardinals 9, Bills 10. So now uh, I'll get it started with uh, my number one team and my number one team is going to still as now going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers. And it's going to be because they beat there. That's two straight impressive wins for me. Um, Both teams that I had in the top six and uh, they beat them pretty handily. And uh, I like the Pittsburgh Steelers right now is the best team in football currently. So I'm still going to stick with the Chiefs here. I had the Steelers at number two still. Honestly, we can run through this list because my list has not changed, frankly. But for the Steelers, um, they're a phenomenal team. But I think if they ever do get a a shootout, which is not likely, but if they do against the Chiefs, I just trust that Chiefs defense. uh, Sorry, I trust that Chiefs offense more than I trust the Steelers offense. And I think that just comes down to – I trust Patrick Mahomes more than Big Ben because Big Ben hasn't had to do it yet. And I don't think he very, he very well could never have to do it. And I frankly, if I'm, I think the Chiefs are probably with Patrick Mahomes better than the Steelers. But if I'm picking a, a Super Bowl team, I'm picking the Steelers, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, that's fine. Uh, two, I have the Chiefs. Not a big deal. They dropped one for me. Uh, so in my number three team here, I have the Seattle Seahawks. Impressive win. Uh, great performance by Russell Wilson. So let's take them at three. Yeah, same for me. For number four, I have the Bucks, And so they've supplanted the Packers. I mean, they had a blowout win against the Packers the previous week. But I think the Packers have more fatal flaws than the Bucks have. Their run defense for the Packers is pretty poor. And he could easily cost them a game, which it did cost them a game against the Vikings this last week. And I don't see the Bucks really having any sort of fatal flaw, in my opinion. 
Yeah, uh, I also have the Bucks at four. And it, it is because of all the reasons you just said. Um, I think the Bucks are trending up right now. They're getting back Antonio Brown. They're getting now Antonio Brown. It's only going to have more firepower to the offense. And, uh, yeah, I'm liking the Bucks right now at four, despite not a very impressive win, but an impressive comeback, to say the least, uh, in that one. Uh, my number five team will be uh, – my five team will be um, – actually, this is close for me. My five team is going to be the uh, Green Bay Packers as well, and uh, that'll be because I'm, I'm still high on them, even despite their loss uh, to the uh, Vikings. And I know I could put the Ravens here instead of the Packers, but I think the Packers just overall are a better team. That's why I'm going to take the Packers at five. Yeah, so at number six, I have the Ravens. Yep, so I that do. means that number yeah. seven, I have the Titans. And for me, the difference there comes to the Titans defense seems to be majorly flawed and the Ravens defense isn't. I trust the Titans offense more, just flat out. But the Ravens defense to me versus the Titans defense has a big enough difference where I think the Ravens are holistically a better team. So for me, seven is actually going to be, for me, I'm going to put New Orleans there because of their impressive win against the Bears. And no Michael Thomas needed still. And um, once and or Emmanuel Sanders, I think once their top two weapons come back, I think they they'll win those type of games pretty handily. And uh, that's why I'm going to take I'm going to take the Saints at seven. And for yes. eight, mm-hmm. uh, I'll put I'm going to put Buffalo at eight, and I'm going to put Buffalo at eight because I think uh, actually wait no AFC no. South hater. I put Buffalo at eight. No, I'm going to put the Cardinals at eight. I'll put the Cardinals at eight. Yeah, yeah, now scratch it out. Yeah, I'm going to take the Cardinals at eight. And uh, it's because in a bye week, they they didn't really do much. But uh, Buffalo did not look impressive necessarily against New England. So I'm going to put Buffalo at eight. I mean, I'm going to put Arizona at eight, Buffalo at nine. Okay, so for my number eight team, I had the Saints. Nine, I had the Cardinals. And for me, the Saints, I know their defense has been bad, but I think when it comes down to it, I just I feel like this Saints team is just more well-rounded than the Cardinals. And I don't know if the Agreed. numbers even they back are. that up, but I just have that feeling when I watch them. Like the Saints, when they had need big defensive plays, they make it. And I don't know if a team like the Cardinals can do that consistently. Fair enough. And uh, my 10th team will be uh, – so I have 8, 9, 10. My 10th team will be um, the Tennessee Titans. I'm going to keep them at 10. And uh, it's, you can't lose to the, the Bengals that badly now. You can't. Uh, I, I have the Bills at 10. And I'd argue with you that you can't beat the Jets by only 8 points and refute for that. Uh, that's, that's a fair point. That is a very fair point. Um, hey, I'm just saying, I think the AFC South bias is getting to you, man. But it's fine. We can move on. They're still in my top 10. They're still in my top 10. They're still the best team in the AFC South. I'm not disagreeing. Uh, it's just the – I don't know if the Titans are better than Bills. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll still lean Bills for now because I think they're also in a better situation right now for sure in terms of the division. Even though they're they're only one game ahead right now, the Titans and the Colts are are tied for the division, and uh, their schedules look pretty relatively similar. So, 
their division is more at risk. And the Bills, I think, not really that much at risk because the Bills are one and a half games ahead of the Dolphins. So they're pretty much clear in the AFC East. And uh, this, this is, that's why I'm going to take the, the uh, Titans at 10 and the Bills at 9. And my 11th will be the Colts, actually. My 12th, I'm going to put 12, I'm going to put the Bears. 13, I'm going to put the Dolphins. Yeah, so for my 11, I'll put the Colts. For my 12, I will put the Rams, I think, still. And then for 13, I would put the Niners. Niners can't be there anymore. The injuries to me are huge. If I'm just looking at all the teams. I would put the Niners if they weren't injured, but I can't put them there now. I'll put the Raiders at 13. That's also a very valid one. I was between Raiders and Dolphins for the last one. But, yeah. Okay, All right, we'll move on to our Week 9 game picks. Yeah, let's You're ready. Start. Let's just start off with a Thursday night football matchup, which was supposed to be good. But right now, I, I think it's going to be a blowout, frankly. The Packers versus the Niners. And even though I think the Packers' run defense is heavily flawed, I just don't see a world where Nick Mullins beats Aaron Rodgers. All right, yeah, we can move on from this game. Packers. Uh, next game, Lions-Vikings. We can also move on. Aaron, uh, Matt Stafford's not playing. He's on COVID IR. Uh, Vikings are going to win this game. And if Jeff Driscoll pulls it off, that would be huge. Um, but even regardless, this game's irrelevant. Uh, next game, Panthers-Chiefs. And I know you have the same, too. So that's why I'm saying let's move it on. Right? Go for it, dude. Yep. Uh, Panthers-Chiefs. Uh, we can also move on from this one. I have the Chiefs winning this one. Yeah, I mean, I, Teddy Bridgewater isn't clutch. Yeah. Uh, Ravens-Colts. So this one, I'm going to take the upset of the week. I'm going to take my Indianapolis Colts, just like you took the Eagles for the Ravens game. I'm going to take the Colts here. I'm going to take that as the upset, and uh, I think they'll pull it off. Well, I'm just going to go with the Ravens, purely because I think they're a better team. And they are. I, in my opinion, I think – if you put Lamar Jackson on the Colts, I think you get Phillip Rivers, except with legs. And that has nothing to do with my point, but... And, uh, that's actually the- a very valid point. That's very true. <laughs> it is literally- no, but it's, it's not just... It's not normal legs, though. It's, uh, yeah, and since legs, he has supernatural legs, I will say the Ravens are going to win. Um, yeah, we can move on. Yeah. Um, Seahawks, Bills... Uh, this one, I'm going to take the Seahawks here. No reason Sam. not to take them. I mean, the uh, Bills are just disappointing right now, flat out. Bears, Titans. Titans are six-point favorites. Um, I'm always – I don't know why I'm always I, – I'm not even a Bears fan, but I, I like I like taking uh, the Bears upset because it's worked for me, I believe, twice so far this season. I'm going to take it again. I'm going to take the Bears here against the Titans. And it's my it didn't work for you last week, though. Bias. It didn't work for me last week. It didn't work for me the week before against the Rams either, but I, it, it worked for me in the Tampa game. Uh, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Bears here. I'm going to take my odds with you potentially blowing another game by hating on the Titans or liking the Bears too much. I'm going to go with the Titans. They're just a better team. I get the Bears have uh, – the Titans have a bad defense, but how long – I mean, just flat out, how long can you put your defense on the field consistently, taking hits from Derrick Henry? I don't know if that's feasible, and I don't know if the Bears can even score enough points to beat the Titans. 
Oh, so you'll take the Titans this game? Yes. Okay. And then uh, Broncos, Falcons. Falcons are four-point favorites. I appreciate it. I'm going to take the Falcons as well. And uh, the Falcons better not choke this game because this is the type of game they would choke. So I'm, I'm, I, the Falcons are going to win this game. I'm not confident. And honestly, this game is irrelevant. I will be honest. I'm going to go with the Broncos. And really, Are, I, you want to no... know a fun fact, real, real, right, right before we start? You want to know a fun fact, right? Go for I pick, it. I picked the Falcons every game this, uh, this season. Yeah, I've picked them every single game until last week. And then they proved me wrong. <laughs> but I'm going to keep the trend no. going. Where... No, but like I've picked them every single freaking game. They're two and six. We're halfway through the season. I picked them every game, and I'm two and six on that prediction. That's pretty crazy, man. Yeah, and I think the Broncos, I don't know how the Broncos are three and four, but I, I just thought, I just, I don't know why. I just trust the Broncos more to not blow a lead. But also, I feel like if they need to come back, they can. Fair enough. Yeah, that's, that's probably a better one to put. Yeah, I think, it, I think. This is a comeback type of game. Uh, next game, Texans, Jags. I'll take Texans here. Easy Texans. Minshew's not playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Giants. Minshew got hurt, for those of you yep. who don't know, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's hurt. Um, he's not expected to play. Uh, Giants football team. Uh, this is the second time they're playing each other. I think the winner will get there. <laughs> um, this game does actually matter uh, for the NFC East. I'm pretty sure you will actually be watching this game. And you and I know you will be because it does still somewhat matter. Uh I'm gonna take I'm gonna take the football team here. I can confidently say with one hundred percent certainty, I would not be watching this game the entire time. Cap. Because for Cap. the one o'clock time slate, you have the Seahawks Bills, you have the Ravens Colts, you have I mean yeah, even exactly. the Bears they'll Titans. They'll only show the Giants football team. Hey, watch. dude, <laughs> I will I will find illegal streams to watch those games because I'm not gonna watch the Giants and the Washington football team. You picked who did you pick the Giants? Yeah. Oh no, I picked the football team. Okay, I am as well. And I think it's just they're just bound to split the series. I think both coaches here are doing a good job, at least at building a strong culture with Ron Rivera and Joe Judge. So I'm tipping my cap to them. Yeah, agreed. Uh, Chargers, Raiders, pick them. Uh, this is a pick them game, actually, because this is a, this is a game that uh, could go either way for sure. And uh, I believe the Raiders – did the Raiders win the first one or did the Chargers win the first one? Or did they not Have play? they played this season? I don't think they've played this season. Oh, shoot. Then this is actually a toss-up. Um, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean the Raiders here because the Chargers can't close. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Raiders as well. And I think they're just a better team. They've beaten the Chiefs. Like, the Chargers have all gotten close to beating the Chiefs, but they've never done it. They've gotten close to beating every team. (laughs) Yeah, and they've always lost. The Raiders have gotten close, and they've finished games. So, just flat out, I think you got to go with the Raiders there. Though, it will will be a close game. Yeah, next game, Dolphins-Cardinals. Uh, this is a game with two dynamic quarterbacks. I think that's a word that I can use, right? Dynamic. I think these two quarterbacks could potentially uh, be the future of the NFL, Kyler Murray and Tua Tungo-Vailoa. Um, and they both have pretty similar play styles. I mean, uh, I think uh, this game is interesting. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the Cardinals here, though. 
uh, four and a half point favorites. Although I would not mind an upset here. This would not be a bad upset pick. I don't think it would be a bad upset pick as well. I might even lean that way, honestly. I'm just thinking. But I think the Cardinals are hot, and I think I don't trust Tua. Like, they literally had to have, like, a fumble return touchdown, a punt return touchdown by Jakeem Grant, who's an extremely phenomenal return man, by the way. Who I think he was undrafted for seventh-round pick, but he's the phenomenal return man. But you need a lots of stuff to go your ways to beat the Rams last week, and I don't see you – I don't see the, the Dolphins replicating that this week. So I'm going to go with the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, now uh, we have, I believe, three more games to pick. Steelers, Cowboys, we can move on. Uh, Saints, Bucks. Uh, this game, I think, is going to be very Sunday Night Football, by the way. Football. This is the right Sunday Night Football game. I'm going to take hmm. – the Bucks are four-and-a-half-point favorites. If Michael Thomas plays this game, I'm going to take the Saints because I don't think they can cover him. Can't guard Mike. I'm going to go with the Bucks, but, but they also can't guard AB. So, yeah. Exactly. I am so excited for this game purely because of AB. It doesn't matter if Chris Godwin is not playing. I need to see how many snaps he plays. Uh, it doesn't matter. Just tell him to go run a route matter. and he'll do it. Like, and he'll do it well. Um, yeah. I'm going with the Bucs. I think they're just a better football team overall. And I, Tom Brady is better than Drew Brees at this point in time. So if I need Tom Brady to win the game, I can That's trust that. Yeah. Um, also, I believe they're tied in touchdown count. Am I wrong? Yes, I believe you're up? correct. Or I believe Brees might be up by one. I'm not sure, though. All right. So uh, we'll know. Actually, no, we probably won't because games are weird. Uh, we would probably know who's the leader of uh, – of the touchdown count uh, next week, uh, unless they get the same. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll be honest. I do hope for a Bucks win because I am rooting for an AB comeback. I hope he plays well. Uh, I, I mean, I, I just like the domination that the Saints had in the first matchup. So, but the Bucks got way better from the first matchup. Gronk's getting more involved, so uh, it could go. I, I think this game could actually go either way. Um, but I'll take the Saints here. Um, Fair enough. Pats, Jets, um, Jets are this time the Jets are reaching into realistic territory. Seven and a half point dogs, huh? What are your thoughts on that, Arif? Realistic. <laughs> I'm never picking the Jets. Period. I will never pick the Jets either. But hey, man, I appreciate the betting odds putting at least a little bit of love uh, to the Jets. And um, yeah. We can move on, yeah. I think Cam Newton will better bounce back. If he doesn't bounce back here, I think they should cut him off the spot. Honestly, you can't lose to the Jets. So. <laughs> you can't lose to the Jets. Just as we say that, watch. <laughs> they're they're going to lose about like 20 points. I swear to God. If, if the Pats lose to the Jets, man, ye, oh, damn, that looks so bad. Yeah. Um... I'm done, man. I think I think I think uh, that's all I gotta say, man. Yeah, you, we we talked about a lot of key information here, lots of hypotheticals for these uh, potential firing or yeah, firing candidates. Uh, yeah, really excited for this week of football. There aren't a ton of good games, but that Sunday night football game has me intrigued to say the least. 
Eagles are on bye, so I won't have a reason to rage this week and my blood pressure won't go up. But other than that, I'm excited for week nine. That's all I can say. Thank you for listening, everyone. Thank you, and peace out and bye.